Golden State investigators are trying to get to the bottom of a recent outbreak of lung illnesses that could be linked to vaping. There's been a huge surge of high schoolers using e-cigarettes or vaping. E-cigarettes, though, carry a number of health risks. The U.S. Surgeon General has called e-cigarette use among youth an epidemic. Now, the CDC reports the number of cases involving vaping-related illness has spiked. 17-year-old Tristan Zofield was taken to Cook Children's Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, with blockage in his lungs. I woke up just throwing up everywhere, and my heart was just pounding out of my chest, going 100 miles an hour. And doctors believe it was all because of vaping. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Jolie. And this is another episode of the NeuroEpic podcast, Nicotine, the crown jewel of your child's developmental impairment. As you might have guessed from the title, this podcast is about the effects of vaping and nicotine on the adolescent brain. So these news clips were saying vaping is bad and can cause a lot of health problems in young adults, as we saw in Tristan's case. What even is vaping? Vaping is the use of an e-cigarette, which is a handheld battery-powered vaporizer. Typically, instead of cigarette smoke, e-cigs contain an aerosol, which can come in a variety of different flavors. Vaping has become a quickly growing epidemic among teens in America. Over 25% of all high school students have used a vape in 2019, an increase of more than 1,800% compared to 2011. But I've heard that no long-term effects are known and they're a safe alternative to real tobacco cigarettes. Are these products even harmful? Vapes are only marketed as safe. In reality, e-cigarettes often contain nicotine in even higher concentrations than regular cigarettes. On average, adolescents actually smoke more nicotine than they would with a cigarette. And the products appeal to youth with a variety of flavors. Oh yeah, I think my friend has one that smells like mango. It doesn't even smell like smoke at all, so how could it be causing so much damage in teens? We're already seeing the impact of these products. As of mid-February 2020, the CDC reported over 2,800 hospitalizations and 68 deaths in the U.S. due to vaping products. And since December 20, 2019, the government has raised the age of the sale of tobacco and vaping products that contain nicotine from 18 to 21. Do three years really make a difference, though? Does nicotine really affect adolescents more? It does. Epigenetic research has shown that the effects of nicotine are far more severe for adolescents than adults. Nicotine can even impact adolescents' learning, brain development, and behavior. That's why these three years really does have a huge impact. But before I really delve into the findings, let me ask you, do you like knitting? No, not really. My mom used to knit all the time, though, and she had me help her sometimes. What did she typically like to make? She really liked to make pink sweaters, and let me tell you, I have an entire closet full. Let me know if you want one. You know, I might actually take you up on that. Anyways, let's expand on this idea of knitting. Let's imagine a ball of yarn. What can we do with this yarn? We could make a scarf or socks or a sweater. No matter what we decide to make, the makeup of the yarn how soft it is, what color it is, doesn't change. I guess that's true, but what does this have to do with the effects of nicotine on adolescents? Well, the makeup of the yarn resembles our genetics, or the specific sequence of genes. On the other hand, what we decide to make out of the yarn, or the sweater in your mom's case, resembles our epigenetics. The sequence of genes stays the same, but the way the genes are expressed may vary, just as the makeup of the yarn is the same, but what we decide to do with the yarn can change. Okay, so our genetics is always the same, but our epigenetics changes. So what are the ways we can change our epigenetics? 
One example is histone modification. Just as yarn is wrapped around a ball, our DNA is wrapped around structures called histones. The DNA can be wrapped tightly or loosely, depending on the epigenetic signals it receives from the cell based on our environment. So you're saying environment can affect the way our genes are expressed? Exactly. Now, let's go back to our analogy and imagine we have a multicolored yarn with a specific pattern of colors. Let's pretend we're your mom and we want to make a pink sweater. If the pink colored segment is tightly wrapped around the ball of yarn, we will have a difficult time accessing it and making a pink colored sweater. Yeah, that makes sense. How does this relate to DNA? Well, when DNA is wrapped more tightly around the histones, less genes are accessible and cannot be expressed to perform their function. On the other hand, when the DNA is loosely wrapped around the histones, it is easier to access and the specific genes in that region can be expressed. Got it. Looser DNA means expression of the genes in that region. Exactly. Be sure to check out the first podcast in the series for more info about epigenetics and how our, our environment can impact our gene expression. But by now, I'm sure our listeners are wondering what all of this has to do with vaping. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually recently read a study which found that nicotine causes a type of epigenetic modification called histone methylation. Methylation? That's adding a methyl group to the histone that the DNA is wrapped around, right? How does that impact the DNA? Nicotine causes a modification called histone-3-lysine-4-trimethylation, or H3K4-trimethylation. This is when three methyl groups are added to the amino acid lysine on histone-3. This type of modification loosens the DNA and makes it more accessible. Like what you were talking about with my mom's sweaters, we can think about H3K4-trimethylation as unwinding the pink color segment of the yarn from the tightly wound yarn ball. This makes the entire pink color segment more accessible, and we can now use it to make a pink sweater. In other words, H3K4 trimethylation makes the gene of interest more accessible and the gene can now get expressed and do its specific function. Wow, so nicotine is changing which genes are expressed in the brain by methylating histones. What genes does nicotine use change? In this study, the changes in gene expression impacted the dendrites, which are the part of brain cells that receive the messages from other neurons. They have many branches connecting to other neurons and form a tree-like structure that allows our brain cells to communicate. Wow, dendrites seem super important for messages traveling through our brains. How is nicotine affecting them? If we imagine dendrites as a tree, nicotine intake was found to cause an increase in the number of branches of dendrites in both adolescent and developing rats, so there were more connections between brain cells. Having dendrites with more connections due to nicotine is the result of H3K4 trimethylation and the subsequent DNA winding, just like making a pink sweater is the result of unwinding the pink yarn. But how did they find that histomethylation was actually causing the changes in the dendrites? That's a great question. To determine causation, they needed to establish that the H3K4 trimethylation was both necessary and sufficient to cause the effects of nicotine. They found that H3K4 trimethylation is necessary since the proteins that induce it after nicotine use had to be present to get the increases in dendritic complexity or behavior changes that they normally see with nicotine use. We can think about this as the pink yarn not being unwound without H3K4 trimethylation, so pink sweater can't be made. Okay, so they established that the histomethylation mechanism was necessary for the effects of nicotine to occur. Did they also test if it was sufficient to cause the effect of nicotine? Yeah, uh, rats that were given no nicotine but increased amounts of the proteins which cause histomethylation when nicotine is present had nicotine-like effects on gene expression and behavior. Wow, so 
rats' brains changed like they were exposed to nicotine, even though there was none, because of this H3K4 trimethylation? Exactly. And by establishing that the histone methylation mechanism was both necessary for changes in dendritic connections and sufficient to cause them, the researchers concluded that the H3K4 trimethylation was causing the effects on the number of dendritic connections due to nicotine. It's crazy that nicotine could modify our brain cells like that. So this occurs whenever adolescents use nicotine? Well, not quite. This study was conducted in 21-day-old rats, while rat adolescence typically begins at 30 days. This means that from this study, we can't conclude this mechanism also occurs in adolescents. However, because we see similar changes in the dendrites and behavior between the 21-day-old rats who are given nicotine and the 30-day-old rats, it's definitely possible that the same mechanism is responsible for the changes that we see in adolescents. And because the amount of the proteins which cause this type of histone methylation greatly decrease in adulthood, it seems like this type of mechanism is specific to developing brains. Wow, that's really cool. You know, it actually reminds me of two studies I was reading where they measured different mRNA levels and protein levels in the brains of adolescents and adults after nicotine treatment. That sounds really interesting. Before you elaborate more, can you clarify what mRNA is for our listeners? Of course. mRNA is a link between the DNA-coded gene and its specific function, oftentimes being a protein. If we go back to our yarn analogy, mRNA can be described as a blueprint of what the sweater will look like. With the blueprint, we can make a sweater of the yarn, just as we can make a protein from DNA using mRNA as a blueprint. Okay, so that's how proteins are made out of genes. What specific genes did they measure in the studies? One study specifically looked at the ARC gene, which is linked to neuronal plasticity, or how the brain develops and changes. ARC is also related to addiction, emotional regulation, and decision-making. The other study looked at the dendron gene. The exact role of dendron is still unknown, but it is linked to plasticity, learning and memory, and dendritic modification, or the amount of dendrite branches. Although there is not yet any evidence for the direct link, both genes, ARC and dendron, could potentially be regulated by the complex we were talking about earlier, since they are all specific to dendritic plasticity. Wow, that's really cool. So what did the studies find? The researchers compared the mRNA levels of nicotine-injected mice to saline-injected controls and found that ARC and dendron mRNA are expressed at higher levels in adolescents than adults after nicotine treatment, specifically in the prefrontal cortex which is the brain region for cognitive behavior. Oh, okay. So nicotine affected adolescents' prefrontal cortex more compared to adults. So you also said that they measured protein levels. What was the outcome of that study? They saw the increase in dendron mRNA directly related to an increase in dendron protein in adolescents. But in adults, there was no increase in dendron protein levels. Additionally, the control adolescents injected with saline had no levels of dendron at all, compared to adolescent mice exposed to nicotine, which shows that nicotine has a significant impact on dendron levels. So what do the results mean? Both papers suggest that the prefrontal cortex of adolescent brains are more vulnerable to changes in plasticity after nicotine exposure. These significant brain modifications from ARC and dendron may severely impact emotional and cognitive processing, as well as learning and memory in adolescents. However, they failed to test the long-term effect of nicotine on adolescent dendron levels, making it difficult to determine whether the potential changes in plasticity are long-lasting. Oh, I see. So we can't be totally certain. Are there any other limitations to these studies? Actually, yes. 
The ARC study, unfortunately, does not measure protein levels. Changes in mRNA don't always correlate to changes in protein levels, just as having a blueprint doesn't ensure that we will make a perfect sweater. That means that we can't be sure whether ARC protein levels are the same between adults and adolescents or if there is a direct change in plasticity. At the same time, mRNA levels are still good estimations of cellular changes. And since there was such a significant increase in ARC mRNA expression in adolescents exposed to nicotine, we can suggest there's also a significant difference in protein levels and thus plasticity. We just have to be more cautious when making these statements. I see. It's fascinating how nicotine can affect adolescent gene expression so differently from adults. I agree, but it also poses the question, why do these changes in gene expression even matter? I understand there's a difference in the number of dendrite branches and brain plasticity, but how is this really affecting adolescents? That's a great point. Why does it matter if we make a pink sweater instead of a blue sweater or no sweater at all? I think behavioral studies are a great way to see the large-scale effects of changes in gene expression. I agree. So how does adolescent behavior change as a result of nicotine use? Well, one study showed that female adolescent rats exposed to nicotine show less grooming and decreased movement. Additionally, several studies have shown an increase in passive avoidance behavior in adolescent rats exposed to nicotine. Passive avoidance behavior? What is that? It's kind of like an unusually large reaction to a small stimulus. In this study, the rats are given a two-chambered cage with one lightened chamber and one darkened. When the rats naturally go into the darkened chamber, the door closes and they're given a small shock. Wait, they're shocked? Doesn't that hurt the rats? No, this shock is very minor and would be mostly ignored by rats. Rats who display passive avoidance behavior would show a greater avoidance of the dark chamber when put back into the two-chambered cage later, while normal rats re-enter the dark chamber more quickly. So the rats that receive nicotine are less able to screen out minor stimuli. Exactly, and this could be related to the increased attention disorders we've seen in kids developmentally exposed to nicotine. Something I found even more interesting was that after the rats stopped receiving nicotine, they actually took even longer to enter the darkened chamber than while they were administered nicotine. Wait, so passive avoidance behavior increased in rats after nicotine exposure ended? Is this normal? Does this happen in adults too? Adult rats typically show behavioral changes during nicotine administration, but studies have only shown the behavioral effects of nicotine increasing after nicotine exposure ends in adolescents. That's so interesting. Are there any other differences in the way nicotine interacts with adults and adolescents? Actually, there are lots. Adolescents also have more long-lasting increases of nicotine receptors than adults and in different areas of the brain. Keep in mind that we also discussed how the proteins that perform the histone methylation due to nicotine decrease in adulthood. Additionally, we just saw those increases in argandendrin in only the adolescent prefrontal cortex. Okay, so put all together, this means that the DNA loosening caused by nicotine use, the resulting gene expression changes, and the consequential changes in connections between brain cells could result in long-term behavioral consequences for adolescents, especially since they're already more vulnerable to changes in brain plasticity. Right, and how long-term these effects can be makes me especially worried with today's teen smoking patterns. Companies like Juul have led teens to think that vaping is safe, when these studies have made it clear that nicotine could have long-term effects on the way adolescents think, learn, and behave. And with teens smoking even more nicotine with e-cigs with potentially even higher concentrations, I'm especially worried about the effects of such an addictive drug. 
I completely agree. And although we can't directly say that adolescents are more vulnerable to nicotine, the changes in gene expression, dendrite connections, brain plasticity and learning, and behavior shown in these studies presents a strong correlation. I can only hope we're able to control the situation before more young adults end up in situations like Tristan's. For more information about smoking, vaping, and how to quit, make sure to check out the Truth Initiative website linked at the bottom of the page. And for more information about how our environment influences our DNA, check out the rest of the podcast in this series. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you feel more informed about the way nicotine can change the DNA of yourself, your friend, your child, or those around you.